Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Up All Night and Are You Afraid of the Dark podcast. My name is Cortland, and with me today is Brandon. How you doing, Brandon? Hey, I'm doing good, Cortland. Awesome. Today we have a very special guest with us. We have JT Billings, the executive producer of the all-new season of Are You Afraid of the Dark that comes out on February 12th. How are you doing, JT? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Doing good. It's uh, really early for everybody except for Brandon, so I apologize for that. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm used to pulling all-nighters and staying up late, especially on this show. So yeah, it's 3 a.m. my time, but you know, why not? It's a perfect time to talk about Are You Afraid of the Dark pitch black outside it really is yeah it's still pitch black out here too so actually i think it's dark out for everybody how exciting oh my god the perfect <laughs> unison of dark <laughs> on brand it's setting the mood oh, so how are you doing today i'm doing good we are you know uh we're really pushing through crunch time to finish up all of the episodes you know there's six this season so just getting in that last bit of work um i'm excited to see it all you know, happen. That's cool. I was really excited to see that there were not only more episodes, but they were named. Like I just looked on IMDb I don't know, like two days ago and I seen that um, episode one and two were named now and they're like the tale of the haunted woods, right? That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, excited. for sure. We, we had to return to like the conventional naming of the episodes. So each one is going to start with the tale of the whatever. That's perfect. Love it. I, I was hoping for that last time, and uh, I'm really glad that you guys did, went with that. So we're here today. We have uh, we have some questions to ask you. We're just going to grill you, man, about this new, uh, yeah, new I'm, season. I'm here, I'm here for it. I just, you know what? First of all, the first question I'm going to ask right off the bat, how difficult was it to come into a beloved show? I think you're getting like the best of both because you're getting uh, like I'm living my uh, childhood dream right now, getting to kind of, you know, expand upon this show that I grew up on. But also at the same time, it comes with tremendous responsibility and weight um, because you want to do justice to it. You want to make the people proud because we were all in it together in the 90s, like we all came home after school and, and we're watching the show and we all um, wanted to like sneak out and have our own little midnight societies and tell campfire stories and stuff like that. And so, yeah, I think it's been ultimately like the most rewarding experience of my career so far. Wow. Um, yeah. We really tried to do the show justice and I think we have. I'm, I, was, I was so happy um, with everything. That's awesome. You know, I got to just put a caveat here. Brandon didn't grow up with the show. He uh, just recently, oh, within the last couple of years. calling me out here. Huh? Yeah, well, it's part of the show. You know, he, Nobody's uh, perfect, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a new fan, but I'm already a purist. So did you not watch it at all? Because this is fascinating. You're watching it as an adult for the first time. So it's like yes. through an entirely new lens than, the, than us. Right. How has that been? Are you are you like because it's so campy watching it back now? Yeah, I I appreciate it probably in a different way. There's no nostalgia there for me, but it it, it is just kind of a campy a campy thing, and I just love when the show goes for it and just it is just its own thing and it doesn't care mm-hmm. that it is Absolutely. so campy. That is one of the nice things about being an adult and watching this. Cause I, I grew up with Are You Afraid of the Dark. I watched a lot of it, you know, at least seasons one through five. I didn't watch season six and seven, but um, mm-hmm. it's so much fun coming back to this as an adult and seeing all the fun camera angles and just all this, the freedom and liberties that the directors got with this, like they could do anything they wanted and they went for it. And it's so much fun to watch. Yeah, it's really shocking. Um, so I I was kind of late to the party. I think I was like six years old when I actually started watching it. 
And it was right around the time when season five was airing. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I kind of became a fan during the lull between, you know, at the end of the first season and then before they picked it up with six and seven, three years yeah. later. And yeah. that's when they would just constantly run these episodes, like reruns at, or Nick at Night and stuff. And I just, that's when I really fell in love with them. And I just kept, I would watch it anytime it was on. And so... It's strange for me too, having worked on you know this revival season now, because I did. I, I would go back and watch some of the episodes, and it's fascinating how some of them that scared me so much as a child now are like I can laugh at. Like the Ghastly Grinner is one hundred percent camp. It's very oh, it zany, oh, and yeah. and I was like, how is this the same monster that <laughs> gave me nightmares? Because right now it's like this dude's just a, I want to punch him in the face. He's so cheesy. Um, and then you have episodes that, you know, I thought were kind of dull or boring, or I would kind of skip them after so many reruns as a child. And, and now I'm like, oh, these are really profound and, and so much more interesting watching them as I'm older. Yeah, I totally 100% agree. I think let's tone it back a little bit. So (laughs) we're, we're here to do an interview with you today. Get some more information out of you. Just squeeze you dry and Get some more information about the uh, new season of Are You Afraid of the Dark? But I'm interested about you. What got you into what you're doing now? I've seen um, – I did my research, mister. I did IMDb research. Oh. I've seen that you uh, <laughs> worked on Transformers and Godzilla. Yep. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Incredible, man. Well, what got you yeah, into those, this business a, a in the first place? A few little indie movies. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I moved, I grew up wanting to make movies. It, it's literally been all I've ever wanted to do. And so I, uh, graduated college, drove out to Los Angeles and tried to be a writer uh-huh. and it was going well, but I wasn't selling anything within a month. So I was like, this is, you know, fuck this, I'm done. And I yeah. had to start getting, I had to get a real job and I did the next best thing, which is editing. Um, I think editing film is just the last straw of storytelling because that's what you're really doing. You're taking all of like the footage and, and, and putting it together Yeah, and and kind of, you know, making the narrative of what it is. And so I had been, you know, growing up, like I think when I was 16 and was mowing lawns, I I bought my Mm -hmm. first computer and that's when I just started editing anything, like whether it was for like a PTA fundraiser or a music video for a friend who was never going to become famous or something like that. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, I was in like the editing uh, departments on those big movies, mostly just as like a lower level assistant, but Hey, that's okay. uh, okay. It's absolutely okay considering those are the majority. Like the departments are so expansive, where the assistants are doing ninety percent of the work. Definitely, yeah. And then I, I kind of took a step back from those bigger movies, like Godzilla and Transformers, and I, you know, became an editor on a whole bunch of independent films, which was really satisfying because I got to be creative and I was actually Mm -hmm. cutting the story myself, and that got me into producing and they were these kind of like low budget indie films and it, it i got to the point where i was producing stuff that i didn't love and yeah. i kept thinking like wouldn't it be nice if i was working on something that had like a really good script from the beginning so <laughs> instead of just trying to fix something that was broken or putting lipstick on a pig like what <laughs> if we had something really cool and uh i decided you know that's that's what i'm going to do i'm going to get back into writing and so 
I wrote, you know, a couple of <clears throat> spec scripts and um, passed them around. And it all happened so fast. Uh, but within like a year, I, you know, became the showrunner of Are You Afraid of the Dark? <laughs> That's amazing. Wow. Well, good job, man. That's yeah. awesome. Thanks. <laughs> As somebody that, you know, within the last couple of years, I mean, I've been editing our podcast and I probably over edit it. You know, I, I try to make it sound as best I can, but it's really opened up this whole world of like being interested in editing in general. You know, we just started doing some video editing on the show. Well, we, we condensed episodes are afraid that arc down into one minute. So like having the liberties to do what you want and things like that, like sounds amazing. And, uh, I'm really glad you had these opportunities because it's, it's got you on our show as well. <laughs> you know? Yeah, totally. It's all led to this. Yeah, exactly. It, yeah. And with any job that I've had, whether or not it was like uh, visual effects on Godzilla or editing Transformers and, and or these little indie movies, they all, like all roads lead to here. Like I yeah. learned valuable uh, pieces of, you know, information from each job and uh, working as an executive producer on Are You Afraid of the Dark? I needed to tap into all of those things from the past 10 years of experience and and it all worked out beautifully. I think that's great. I love learning about the behind the scenes as to like why people, uh, how they got into what they did, especially with Are You Afraid of the Dark? Because everybody that we've gotten the opportunity to interview so far have been just like super awesome people. So it's always entertaining and interesting to see what got them into Are You Afraid of the Dark in the first place. And um, it's really great to hear that you were a fan of the original run of the show. I mean, you said like, you know, you got into it a little later, but I think a lot of people did because they replayed it really frequently. And um, I think that's what really cemented in everybody's love for the show. That's a fan now. That's, you know, our ages. Oh, oh, for sure. Even at, at like a six-year-old, it's amazing when you look back and be like, we were just allowed to watch the show. Some of the episodes are so dark and messed up. Yeah. But, um, thank God that either my parents thought Nickelodeon was a okay all the time, but they just, (laughs) they didn't seem to have a problem with letting me watch it. And, and it it really did. It shaped my childhood. Um, but it, it definitely like the reruns are the glory years for this show, in my opinion. Yeah. And I, and that's, what's led to all the nostalgia about it. So when we do our interviews, we like to include um, the fans. You know, we we go the Instagram uh, fans. There's a Facebook group that actually I've seen you post in. So you're a little bit familiar with those guys. Um, yep. And, uh, you know, I posted out and I said, hey, we're doing this interview with JT Billings. Uh, let's get some excitement going for the new season of everybody's favorite show. And uh, they came through. They have some questions for you. I hope you don't mind answering them. Oh, I definitely don't mind. I think, you know, working on this show in general, I, my favorite part has been interacting with the fan base because that's what yeah. that's why we're doing this. The whole reason to it, why this show was revived was because it's so beloved by so many different generations that grew up watching it. It is. And I love, like, as somebody that grew up with it and is now a parent, like, I'm excited to, well, I've been watching the show with my kid, but I'm excited for new stuff, like new content for him. The Boundless from Instagram would like to know, and you know what, I'm interested in this too, is there anything that you would have done differently if there wasn't a pandemic? Oh, actually, no. Um, This story, we started writing it before COVID hit, you know, Mm -hmm. and and before the, the world kind of shut down. And, you know, this is a really, really ambitious season that we're doing. It's six episodes long. It's really like one elevated horror film divided into six chapters and 
when COVID hit, it was obviously it put a lot of um, put a damper on the world, obviously, but uh, especially with production. And luckily, the people who worked on this and the crew and, and the cast, everyone came through and it did not limit us in a way that it, it compromised the story or the season at all. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like a high school dance plot that happens, you know, in one of the episodes. And the only difference is when you're watching it, it's going to look like the gymnasium is full of high schoolers. When in actuality, we had about 20 background actors and through visual effects, like repopulated the whole gym. And so awesome. we had to come up with a lot more clever ways to make it seem like we weren't limited in that regard, but mm-hmm. uh, no, it, nothing really. We didn't have to cut anything significant that that uh, I can think of. Okay, that's awesome. Did it get like um, delayed a little bit from COVID? Because wasn't it supposed to come out in October or something like that? Yeah, the, I think the intention is always to shoot it over the summer, and okay. then they want to release during October, where it's you know uh, Halloween time. And that was one of the big bummers where, you know, production was shut down over the summer. So we started filming in October. Um, But I think, you know, we wrapped photography, like our final day of shooting was just right before Christmas. Wow. So we really did haul ass to get the show out for February. And and I'm glad we did because I know how long people have been waiting for it ever since like the 2019 Revival came out, and I loved it so much. It was Carnival of Doom with Mr. Top Hat. It was exciting. Yeah. And I think, unfortunately, because it was only like a three-episode limited series, and then there was that giant gap between this new one, it left a lot of the fans confused. Like, wait, is it coming back? Is it not? What is the yeah. state of the show? And I, I think that is the biggest effect that the pandemic had on this. Yeah, I get a lot. Of, you know, I search for Afraid of the Dark all the time on Twitter. And, um, yeah, I see a lot of people that don't even know that it came back. And so I, I have tried my hardest to let people know, like, hey, yeah, there was a 2019 reboot. And, uh, yeah, there's another season coming out. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people had wanted to know what your relationship was with the original run of the show. And um, I think that everybody will be really happy to know that you, you know, you grew up with it. You watched it. You enjoyed it. And you now you're working on it. So that's really cool. Cynthia on Instagram and Facebook wants to know. Do you have any relationship with the original directors? I don't. Um, nothing with the original creators of the show. I came on board, and even from the 2019 revival, you know, there was a different showrunner uh, and, and and different director, and we're coming into this one with a whole new creative team besides Ace Entertainment and Nickelodeon, who are like the the producing partners on the show. Okay. Um, I wish I knew, you know. Uh, DJ McHale and Ned Candle and, and all of those cool cats that, you know, made my childhood so special. <laughs> I haven't talked to Ned, but DJ was really cool to talk to. Not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> if you ever get the opportunity, you should interview him for a podcast is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I, I, I will jump at that opportunity. I just watched the trailer again a few times, actually. And uh, obviously, one of the things that is going to be a big draw for longtime fans and also maybe a little controversial is the inclusion of Sardo. Yes. <laughs> I, th- I think it's great. I already know your question before you ask it. <laughs> so uh, what's the deal with Sardo? And, uh, <laughs> you know, what's up with not Richard Dumont? Okay, so Sardo is back. Um, yes, we, uh, I guess I should, I'll give a little summary of kind of 
the story going into this that that maybe will be a better segue into the Sardo question um, because I know a lot of people are interested as soon as he popped up in that trailer they're like no way and I think there's a little excitement there's a lot of nerves they want to make sure that he's handled well um, yeah, but I think right. people are going to be really really stoked um, Richard Beale plays our version of Sardo so our story takes place in modern day it does not exist in the 90s with the other mm-hmm. kids and um, it takes, you know, it's Are You Afraid of the Dark? Curse of the Shadows. It takes place in a fictional town called Shadow Bay. And basically 2019 and now this 2021 uh, revival, it we're really launching the Are You Afraid of the Dark universe into an anthology show where each season will follow different chapters of the Midnight Society. And so uh, this current season, it follows the Shadow Bay Midnight Society. And these kids, they have woods in their town, but there's an urban legend surrounding them and the woods are kind of off limits. So they actually do not meet around a campfire. They meet in an old abandoned shipyard. by the. It's like the goondocks. And they use their flashlights in there. And, and that idea, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about it because I love exploring... Um, the different settings of our stories. And so let's say you grew up like in the mountains or by the water or by a creepy old lighthouse and you didn't have a trash beach with with a bonfire where you can go and sneak out um, to. Like where would you have your secret meetings and stuff like that? And so we're definitely taking creative liberties with creating some new like exciting changes going on. And one of those includes Sardo. We wanted to bring him back but he is not a replacement of the original. He is uh, the son yes. of the OG Sardo. That's what and I thought you guys were going to do. That's awesome. He, That's yes. great. He has taken over the shop. And I will say that um, I think fans of the original Sardo are really going to eat this one up. He talks back to the kids <laughs> <laughs> he is not very nice to them. He's kind of a dick. And um, his, his you know, Sardo's Magic Mansion is actually a massive set piece of our show that keeps popping up. It's where we crammed tons of Easter eggs from the original series, like the Super Specs. The pinball yes, machine awesome. may or may not oh, be hi- wow. hiding in his shop. Um, you might see a Twisted Claw or a creepy doll from the Doll Maker in there. Oh, it's wow. really just like this playground of nostalgia and and it, it, it really ties into the story because right away the leader of the shadow bay midnight society goes missing and so when they're going to, when they're sneaking out at midnight to have their meeting the rest of the members are looking for their president and they have to pull back the layers of this mystery of what happened to him and the only way to solve the problem and to answer the question is to go further into the dark. And that mm-hmm. takes them to places like Sardo's Magic Mansion. And, you know, they might have to hold some seances. And we're kind of incorporating every element of horror into one massive mega mashup. That's incredible. I'm, I'm really excited yeah. for that. The coolest part, that, in my opinion, of watching these... Uh, is watching Are You Afraid of the Dark is seeing all of the throwbacks to older episodes, even within its seasons one through five, seeing um, Super Specs show up again and again. That's exciting to me. I love that stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it was so important because 
90% of the viewers watching the show, things like that will go right over their head. But we worked so hard, you know, uh, Jeff Wadlow is the executive producer and director of four episodes on the show. And he's really like my creative partner in crime through this. Mm-hmm. And so when I say we, I'm also referencing him. I couldn't have done this without him. And the show looks amazing because of all of his hard work. And it was so important to us where we're like, we want to push everyone, our production designers, you know, costume, literally any opportunity we can to throw in an Easter egg to make sure that the 10% of viewers that catch it, yeah. that, it, it, that we want them to be excited. And so, you know, there's a very quick scene right in the first episode where they're, they have to break into their, their friend's locker and it's on screen for half a second, but the locker number is 22. And See, that's it's what just I'm super, about. yeah, yeah. it's so like uh, the smallest details that probably don't matter, but um, they matter the most to the people who are looking for them. I love it. I love it. Those are some things then like season six and seven where I'm like, if they just were to name this, you know, uh, Academy, um, the last name of the kid from Frozen Ghost or something like that, just to make it, just to elevate it. It's all about the elevation. And um, I think that's amazing. I do. I can't wait. Yeah, totally. I mean, even it, even down to like the characters' names. There was a bully in the original. I for, forgot which episode it is, but his name's Colback. Yeah, he's like the yep. school. And yeah, yeah, the school bully. Serious camera. And that's it. Yeah, and now there is, uh, you know, there's the kind of like the mean wrestling coach, and his name's Coach Colback. And so that's we really wanted to try to, you know, say what would happen if we kind of picked up where the 90s left off in the same town uh, of characters. Because obviously, um, interpret it how you will, this is something that I'm really excited to, you know, explore down the road when we really tap into, like, the dark universe Mm -hmm. in terms of how all of the different seasons and characters kind of interconnect throughout all of them. But, yeah, I I think because Sardo's Magic Mansion is in this town of Shadow Bay, we're really setting... You know, we're establishing that Gary's stories about Sardo's Magic Mansion must have existed in this town. And so um, mm-hmm. it, it, it's asking some big questions there. But I think we have we have some answers. And, and more importantly, we have bigger questions that, you know, we'll want to answer later. Amazing. That answers a lot of people's questions is uh, they wanted to know if you guys were going to pay homage to the original, you know, five seasons mostly. But did you guys put happen to put anything in there for season six and seven? Because Brandon and I, we, we got done with season six. We're almost done with season seven. And I think we've both been pleasantly surprised at the quality, regardless of what people say of them. Did you throw any silly, you know, Easter eggs for season six and seven fans by chance? Absolutely. And it's okay, cool. mostly because <laughs> I... And even the creators, like DJ, he considers it's season six and seven. It's not a revival. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, it's really a continuation of the story. Yes, there's a gap. Um, and and they, they have like a new cast of characters with, with kind of Tucker tying them together. I really see it as a continuation of the same show. Especially because when I, you know, watching those reruns of one, seasons one through five during that time gap. And then... By the time season six aired and then seven, that's when I was like a super fan. I loved them. Um, mm-hmm. I know I know a lot of the fan base have opinions about them. And, and, and they're I'll wrong. Say this. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, like nothing will ever compare to those original five seasons. Like, uh, like they're right about that. And, and I don't think anyone, you know, it, no one who was creating season six and seven was trying to take that away. And no one, you know certainly none of us uh, from 2019 through now are trying to take those away where yeah. we're 
we're delivering something new and exciting and um I hope that people can like open their hearts and and kind of find the joy in it. It, it was important to us to we want to credit them and being like yes, you know, to the people who are like we were here first, this was our show first. Don't yeah. ruin it. I think I totally hear them on that, and I would just ask them to say we're not going to ruin that for you, but don't shut down this uh, what we're trying to do now because it's really really exciting. I think what people really need to remember is that. Are You Afraid of the Dark's a really good show, and more of it is not a bad thing. I think what happens with season six and seven is that they're just so unavailable for people because right. they never released on DVD, at least in the United States. And they're, you know, CBS All Access has the first five seasons, and then I think they, they just put in Carnival of Doom, and they don't have season six and seven. And I think that really? it's just really hard for people to watch them. Absolutely. And I think, and by the time six and seven aired, there were like a few glory years where. They did, you know, they went into syndication, but then they they kind of stopped. And so people had less time to watch them and appreciate them yeah. because we know that the show gets better and better, not when you're watching it right when it's released, but a few years later when you're rewatching it and, and kind of living through those excitements again. Yes. And yeah, I'm, I, I don't know why uh, season six and seven aren't on the platform yet. I hope they are going to be soon. You know, CBS All Access is about to launch into Paramount Plus. Right, right. Are you guys going to be able to put the new season on there too, by chance? Yes, we okay, are. Perfect. Yeah, I, I I think that the whole season has to complete airing first, and then it, they'll be uploaded. Perfect. Let me see what to ask next here. Katie from Twitter wants to know, what is your favorite episode from the original series? That is a good question. Ooh, that's a great question. I have a... I mean, if you were to ask me my all-time favorite, I think it's the tale of Dead Man's Float, only because... It's a good one. Yeah, when you go back, the episode is it's kind of slow, but I think the thrills, you know, an, invi- an invisible pool monster, how can you beat that? It's so scary, right? And yeah. it, it it has like a full arc where they figure out how to beat it, and, and, and it stays exciting. And obviously, the makeup work on that monster was terrifying and it's something we really really tapped into for this current season you know our villain his name is the shadow man and it was very important to uh you know the directors and i to we wanted everything to be as practical as possible because we didn't want to rely on heavy cgi where it looks like it's not even within the room that's we amazing. wanted right. we wanted something real like real and tangible almost like a slasher that is coming for you in the dark um that you can put your eyes on it and it has like this very like it's it, it's reminiscent of the pool corpse from the original are you afraid of the dark episode it it's it has a little bit of donnie darko like frank the rabbit <laughs> in it and um <laughs> i just think it's 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 a little disturbing um and and yeah if you look at it for too long um, you'll say, oh, the, you know, there's a real actor in that suit. That is, it's better than the alternative of just relying on like this, um, this kind of cartoon animated monster. And so mm-hmm. definitely that's why I love the tale of Dead Man's Float. I also have a huge soft spot for uh, the tale of the shiny red bicycle. It's so moving and um, profound as an episode. It's yeah. it's about grief and loss and friendship but then, I mean, just to ramble off a few, I love Super Specs. I love the tale of the night shift with the vampire in the hospital. I mean, I could watch I could watch so a two-hour movie about that. 
All right, you passed the test. You picked That's really a good, good list. If you were going to say like <laughs> Bone Police and Laser Maze and stuff, we'd have to be like, uh, Hungry Hounds is my favorite. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. No, I mean, it would have been interesting if you were like, what are your least favorites? Because I think I would have just named all of those. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're universally disliked, which is fine. A fun thing about yeah. being an adult and, and you know, having this new set of, uh, you know, principles and ideas and things is being able to find something nice in every episode, except for maybe Misfortune Cookie. But um, <laughs> even Hungry Hounds has some really beautiful uh, shots in it, you know? There's something to love in everything. It's got good music. Music is great, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Do you have a favorite Midnight Society member? At least from the originals, anyway. For sure. And, so, like, we're talking Samantha, Betty Ann, uh, yeah. David. Like, I have a soft spot for Tucker only because he's, like, the younger sibling, which I was as well, Yeah, that kind of wants to belong. And so, as a character, I, I loved him. But as far as storytelling, I mean, I love Gary's stories, obviously. He tells the Sardos stories, which are some of my favorites. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I guess I guess Tucker uh, would would be like my character, the Midnight Society member that I most identified with, because I was like, I just want to tag along too. We're talking scrappy uh, OG Tucker, not Tucker two right? <laughs> yes, we are. We're talking, you know, the baby Tucker. Baby Tucker. <laughs> yeah, I I like baby Tucker and then Mean Girls Tucker the most. You know, yeah, when he was mean buttering Girls muffins Tucker's for Lizzie yes. Lohan. Perfect. Yeah. Were there any references to the original series that you wanted to use but couldn't? That's what Matt on Twitter wanted to know. Oh, that's a great question, and I'm happy to report we got everything we wanted. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> we, yeah, Excellent. we may have even gotten – ooh, I don't know if I should tease this. I will. Um, we may have even gotten to plug the Ghastly Grinner into this season somehow, ooh, which uh, Nickelodeon doesn't own the rights to it. And so it no, was kind Ron of this – yeah. uh, yeah, we had to fetch for it, but you know, we went we went out of our way to ask for everything and luckily people worked so hard uh to to secure that and no, we were able to reference everything we wanted. Obviously, we don't get to everything, but you know, we want to save some lot. for down the road, yeah. but yeah, there's a lot. Um but we really uh we had no problems with that. We even included, you know, nostalgic things from the past. Like we have um we reached out um, to Mattel for like the rights to see a magic eight ball in the show. Oh, that's and, awesome! I didn't even think of that. Yeah, we got permission from we- like Hasbro to use a Ouija board and things like that. Um, we really wanted to, yeah, tap into all of that, and everyone came through. In one of the episodes, we're in the high school, and the kids are they're like selling glow bracelets and stuff, and we needed so- you know a sign in the background, and I begged production to let me put the words save Ferris on it from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> and Paramount even gave us the rights to say that. So Wow, that's <laughs> we, awesome. Yeah, so we got to throw in everything we wanted and we're very happy with it. Sweet. I think everybody's going to want to know, are there any plans for a third season? Uh, I can't talk about it, but you know we're taking it one season at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would certainly say I think everyone is excited to see where you know the the midnight society saga goes from here and exploring not only new chapters of different midnight societies but also how they're all going to connect and are we telling one master story throughout all of them if there's going to be more seasons we really want to keep exploring the idea of like um different settings 
and different different characters that have to do things differently because um, we're not all uh, from towns with like bonfires in the woods. Yeah. And it it and it allows for like different levels of, of storytelling. Like maybe maybe we'll go to a summer camp, or maybe we'll end up going to like you know this haunted manor um, and and things like that. I think it's really exciting what we're doing here. And uh, personally, I'm invested in this as a creator because I'm getting the opportunity to not only propel the story forward in places it hasn't been, but do justice to the original by tying together some of the mysteries or the of the tissue that is there. Like if you noticed mm-hmm. in, in in the original run, it it goes from 1991 to 1996, and then the Midnight Society just stopped. Like Gary yeah. went away, and they just stopped meeting in the woods until Tucker came along in 1999. And I won't like we do not do a deep dive into this answer, but I will say we revisit things that happened in 1996 and Curse of the Shadows that, you know, wow. might ask some of those bigger questions and and play into the overall mythology of this universe. That's incredible. I think that's something that fans are going to be very interested in. I certainly hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm really excited for this. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, th- I think the most exciting thing is going to be searching with my magnifying glass for all of these uh these Easter eggs and things. Cause that's what I love to do while we're doing this series now is just looking for those Easter eggs. Oh man. I, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's jam packed. Like some of them um, are so subtle where I don't even think I'm aware of them all uh, to be <laughs> honest. Cause especially when, when you're, when we're shooting in Sardo's magic mansion, I think it was like on our last day there, I like bumped into a cabinet and something almost fell. And I was like, Oh, since when did we, throw this in there this is so great this i remember this from the episode and because you know we really just jam-packed it with stuff like that there's a teacher who's her name's miss schaffner and she's one of my favorite uh, characters this season and yeah it's it's a playoff of like mr schaffner the teacher in the 90s and so um there's some are big some are right in your face some you really have to look for but they're all very very fun one of the things that was really cool about the 2019 reboot was that laura bertram came back as a character and she played um amanda in the tale of the lonely ghost and she played a uh, laurel in the mystical mirror were you guys able to get any returning actors from the original run of the show back in we were and i'm not going to say who nope don't spoil it that's all i need <laughs> I will say um, people are going to lose their minds. Is it Tia and Tamara? It's Tia and Tamara, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, one of them is still stuck as a, an iguana down in the bottom of that well. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you have this this nostalgic package wrapped up in a beautiful bow, and I can't wait to open up the present. <laughs> <laughs> I hope. I mean, like I said, it's going to be really satisfying for the the fans that are looking for it, and then... I really think we're going to like sink some teeth into this younger generation that really doesn't have something like on the air right now in this genre space. Like kids have yeah. not had their own Are You Afraid of the Dark? I agree. And I wished that they did. And I think that this is a great way to introduce them to horror because, I mean, us, you know, like 28 to, you know, whatever, 35 year olds, this is what we grew up on. And I think it really set a foundation in like the horror genre in general that so far you know my my son hasn't really he likes scary things but there's nothing really available to him except for 
you know, older things. So it's great to see something new, a fresh take on things with, uh, you know, new eyes, new directors, new visual effects and things like that. And, um, you said that you do, you're doing a lot of practical, which is amazing because practical is the way to go. So, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm really excited to sit down with my son and watch it. Oh yeah. I mean, that means so much. And, and I'll say like Nickelodeon, they have been amazing creative partners on this. They, you know, when I came on to work on this, uh, they were honest and they're like, we want this to be scary. Like let's dive into Perfect. the horror. Um, and, and we're not holding any punches here, you know, because I mean, children and horror is such an interesting subject, but if you like look at fairy tales that, that children grow up on, they're cautionary tales. Most of them they're, you yeah. know, they're teaching kids to avoid places of danger, to look out for strangers or weird old ladies in the woods. And, you know, <laughs> there, there's a real purpose to those. And, and it, it all comes down to, you know, just stay alive and watch out for threats. Right. right. And so I think horror, like scary movies, put the characters in the positions that young kids are already familiar with, like disempowerment, independency, and it provides like this this safe space where kids can dance with their fears and teach them how to, you know, beat the monsters and to be powerful. Yeah. Um, you know, like the the hero's victory is their victory, and the scary monster is whatever they find scary in their own lives. And so we really just wanted to allow kids um in all ages really to fall in love with horror again um in the way that we did back in the 80s and 90s and it was so important to us to we had the conversation how do we make the scariest scene absolutely terrifying and then immediately follow it up with something hysterical that makes you fall in love and laugh with the characters and there's so much uh, heart and emotion and comedy in the show all set against the backdrop of a horror film. Um, And that was important to me writing it where, you know, I grew up watching movies like the Goonies (laughs) and, uh, Mm -hmm. and Ferris Bueller and ET. And I approached this and certainly the new midnight society was like, what, what would happen if you took the Goonies and threw them into, you know, nightmare on Elm street. And, and, and what, and what would happen if like poltergeist, happened to the kids in et it, or you know gremlins is another one like we we wanted to find ways to incorporate all of those scary elements from those movies and put them into this because you know kids today will think it's original and, and exciting when in, in fact we're actually just paying homage to everything that you know better creators and and people have put forward decades earlier mm-hmm you can see that um in a lot of film too like you know films from the 80s took inspiration from the 50s films today take a lot of inspiration from the 80s and i think that's i mean it's just kind of like the circle of life but it's just so satisfying yeah absolutely i mean um I, this season's definitely original where um the the story uh has so many twists and turns there's a major plot twist that happens in the middle of the season that i don't think anyone will see coming and it like skyrockets you know the I, hold on let me guess stig comes back right that's what it is <laughs> i knew it it's stig is the big cameo you guessed it <laughs> uh yeah it just uh, there's you know i wanted there to be so many surprises um and and people constantly guessing what's going to happen next and i think my favorite um uh, one of my favorite things about you know the episodes is some of them end with like you know, a fist in the air and you're like, yes, we did it. And then other ones are so gut wrenching and sad. And so we, uh, cause you know, in the, in the nineties, 
there were some very dark endings, like the tale of the dark music or the pinball wizard or the super specs. And, and we are like, we don't want to take that away from people where we, you know, we can leave them on a, a really dark cliffhanger, um, to keep tuning in. That is amazing. Um, you know, just talking with you and your love for the show has gotten me very excited for it. And not that I wasn't already, but I just have a whole new perspective on it. I'm going to be watching out for every Easter egg. I'm I'm seriously going to get my mic. Like, I'm going to be stopping and starting and being like, oh, God, there it is. It's a chameleon. You know, so I'm if you so watch excited. it with your son. He's going to hate that. Oh, yeah, that's a second watching. We can watch it for real with him. But <laughs> Please, whenever you do have, if you write a list of Easter eggs, please send it my way because I'm going to see if it tracks (laughs) with mine. (laughs) I really appreciate you spending the time with us, JT. Um, This is a a really great opportunity and um, I hope that this drums some excitement for the new season. If anybody's ever apprehensive about anything like this, this sounds like it's coming from a whole lot of love. You know, it's, I'm looking forward to it as, you know. (laughs) And I hope everybody yeah, else is too. I hope so. I mean, er- everyone down, you know, from the top levels to the, you know, to the crew members who work so hard day in and day out during a pandemic to make this show happen. Yeah. Um, there's super fans among everyone. E- you know, even the cast that came on, uh, which I haven't really talked about yet, but they're. Oh yeah, we didn't. Uh, they're they're my favorite part of this show. Um, our our actors are so good and they're so lovable and so wonderful. And they knew the weight that came with this uh, franchise. And they wanted to not only appease the older generations that are already putting so much pressure on the show, but they wanted to make something special for their own generation. And I think we've really done that. And so I'm so excited for people to watch. It premieres on Friday, February 12th. Um, and it will be airing every Friday forward. Uh, and, you know, Fridays leading up to the episodes, I'm going to be posting some teasers on my instagram account basically spoilers with no context to see if people can um kind of predict what's about to happen and so you can follow me at jt billings on instagram for that but uh yeah i'm so excited to hear some fan theories and to hear some reactions because we really want fans to engage this season it this should be a total relationship between you know the makers and the watchers um because we want to hear from you on on what you're getting excited about and, and what you picked up on and what your favorite horror films are because who knows maybe down the road we'll be able to incorporate those amazing i'm looking forward to it you know what though that brings up another the, the last question i think we have brian rivera jimenez on instagram wants to know what's your favorite scary movie <laughs> hi brian <laughs> i actually know brian <laughs> um that is a great question. So I love The Sixth Sense. I don't mm-hmm. really consider it a horror movie, though, um, especially the older I'm getting. I think it's much more of a drama about loss and grief. Yeah. Um, so another one I would have to say, like, I love Scream. <laughs> I think <laughs> it, it like Scream and like Blair Witch and seven um with brad pitt like they basically saved horror from the 90s um because after the 80s it started to go down into a slump and 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 those are some standouts that i certainly grew up watching all right well i think that's about all we got i don't know i'm always really bad at ending these things um me too brother (laughs) (laughs) 
Thank you so much, JT. Really appreciate you spending the time with us today. Um, yeah, I, really I'm so cool. sorry that you're it's three, it's four o'clock in the morning over there now, but um, you know we made it work, and I think it turned out really great. And I'm so excited. And I really hope that everybody checks out the new season. I mean, it's it's a new season of our favorite show, and I think it's going to be um, just a, a gift, a gift for us looking for that nostalgia. I'm I'm, yeah, I'm excited. A, a very scary gift. For everyone. <laughs> That's okay. That's what we want. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I had a blast talking to you guys. Um, uh, please have me back on anytime you want. I love your podcast. Uh, oh, and and I certainly love All You Afraid of the Dark. So I'm right there with you. Um, you know, I'm a fanboy at heart, <laughs> just like everyone else here. <laughs> well, thank you, JT. I appreciate it. All right. Well, I think that's all we got. And uh, you know what? I got to get ready for work, but there's always time for another quick nap because I've been up all night. Actually, we all have. We've all been up all night. (laughs) (laughs) Go take your nap. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, power nap. All right. But I'm out of here. Thanks again, JT. Bye, you guys. Bye. Thank you. Bye.